Hey everybody, welcome to season two of the Mixmasters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Litcher, and for those not familiar, I'm the touring front of house engineer for Stitched Up Heart. Working with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet an incredible number of really talented people, and I wanted to introduce you to them. I wanted to let you hear their stories and learn from their experiences. This is really your chance to listen in on behind the scenes talk and to learn from some of the best in the business. I have to give a huge shout out to my pal, Merritt Goodwin, for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's also an extremely talented composer. Give him a follow on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin or on Instagram at Merritt Goodwin Official. Now let's bring up the faders and jump into this episode of Mixmasters Podcast. My guest for this episode of Mixmasters is Simeon Panov, or Simon, as a lot of people might know him here in the United States. Regardless of what you call him, you can't call him anything but an amazing sound engineer. I got to see this firsthand while on tour with Simeon. We worked together on the Butcher Babies, Infected Rain, and Stitch Up Heart tour in 2021. And despite us being in some very challenging rooms with PAs that were less than ideal, Simeon put up mixes that just destroyed night after night. I do know that Simeon is trying to make his way over to the United States. So if you are a band member or know of a band that is looking for a very talented front of a house engineer, give Simeon a call because he would be a great addition to your team. Like I said, he puts up a great mix and he's one of those guys that's really easy to work with and he's just hilarious, which I think will really come through in the podcast. In full disclosure, I had to edit a lot of our laughing So I cut a good five minutes worth of laughter out of the podcast just to try and keep things on time and and on track. So without further ado, jump in, get to know Simeon. You'll fall in love with him. I guarantee it. And like I said, if you're looking for a front of house engineer, give him a call. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mixmasters. I am joined today by one of my very good friends, a guy that I met while on tour with the Butcher Babies in the fall of 2021. And I think you're going to fall in love with him because he is an absolutely amazing person, very fun to talk with, super talented and experienced, and he puts up a killer mix. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Simeon Panov from Bulgaria. So Simeon, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's uh, that accent. I know I gave away the secret and said you're from Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, very nice, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you meant? <laughs> that it is very nice indeed. Very nice. So I met you on tour with the Butcher Babies. And of course, you and I spent a lot of days together. We, When we weren't doing gig days, we walked around different cities and we sort of adventured around together and we hit it off. But for people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you got started in the music industry? Yeah, uh, so hi once more. Uh, I'm Simon uh, from Bulgaria, as uh, Steve mentioned uh, already. I uh, I started with music like since I was a kid, I always play instruments and um, and been around music my whole life uh what happened later on is like when i was uh, probably 15 or uh, 16 i used to uh play a lot the piano like i i spent most of my time 
doing that. So I start dreaming of uh, uh, like um, make a living out of it, like uh, doing music and whatever. And as uh, time uh, passed by, I realized because here in Bulgaria it's quite difficult to make a living out of uh, music, even though we have some amazing um, uh, musicians and talents, for some reason, not much of our music goes out, but uh, that's totally different uh, subject. So basically what I'm saying, I wasn't one of those good musicians you can imagine. <laughs> so I <laughs> yeah, so I decided I should give up on that and I, uh, I found out that I can maybe be at least close to good musicians by doing sound. No, I'm joking. But uh, what uh, actually happened is that I, I saw a chance for me to uh, learn uh, sound engineering and, uh, and do more, um, more of um, music and spend more time with music and make some uh, money around it. And it turned out that I am making a living, maybe, barely. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm great. I'm I suspect you're doing very good. Yeah. Uh, not in the coronavirus, but. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true for all of us. I'm, I'm really happy. I, I have a small uh, recording studio and I'm really happy. I have a couple of projects that, which I'm always working with. And I, I'm so glad I had them because otherwise it would be difficult. But yeah, it's almost done. Would you say you started with recording and then went into live music or did you start with live and then get into recording? Yeah, recording, mix and mastering, I still suck big time. <laughs> uh, but uh, not that I'm that good live, but at least I'm better than the studio. Uh, no, I, I start with uh, uh, live shows and... Uh, Actually, I, I always try to do stuff at home. Like I, I remember I was uh, like quite young when I downloaded Cubase and uh, try my way around and realized that 40 hertz sounds amazing, but they cannot be that loud. <laughs> and so in, in Bulgaria, you, you started a production company of your own a few years ago. And would you, would you like to tell me a little bit about yeah. the production company? Well, it's, um, it, it's really strong word, call it a production company. It's more like, um, like there is a company, but and what we did is productions, but mainly I had a small team of people and we tried to, um, uh, to take as much as work we can and uh, have it as much shows as we can uh, make and make it like, I don't know even how to explain it. It just sounds too serious when you put it uh, in that matter because actually we don't even have that many of production companies which are doing that. So it's like, yeah, but uh, we had a couple of uh, things done in uh and when the coronavirus started or went down and I don't know where it will go with that. Gotcha. And I remember in speaking with you that you work with uh, a rather large artist that isn't sort of a traditional artist, so to speak. It's more of a television star. You do a, uh, some regular production for it. Yeah. 
Well, he, he's uh, quite a uh, pop artist, actually. Um, like, like he's um, um, actor and he's a uh, uh, performer as well. His name is Urlin Pavov. Uh, and he's amazing artist person and he has amazing music. I recommend everyone uh, to go and uh, check him on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. He's a um, great guy, uh, having a lot of interesting music because of many movies he's involved in. And uh, throughout the um, um, movies, uh, he gets songs which are connected to the movie. So everything around him is quite interesting yeah what what's his band sort of like like what type type of stage are you mixing for him does it is it a large band or just more of a traditional size band yeah that that's the funny part about um bulgarian gigs and uh and things we do like sometimes it can be super huge like i think in december we had whole orchestra uh uh, and a band and him as a solo artist on top. And that was great. And then literally uh, two days later, I had only him with a piano player. Three days later, I had him uh, going on stage with a guitar and uh, drums and piano. And, and it's always like unpredictable. And this is one of the things that really blow my mind because it's really difficult to get ready when you understand literally two days earlier what, what's like going to be the show. And uh, it's it's quite um, challenging sometimes because like we as a sound engineers, uh, we always want to like improve our shows. Uh, we want to get the most out of the band and uh, so on. But if you don't really know what, like, which musicians are going to be on the show, it's like really, like, uncomfortable, even. Like, yeah. So yeah, we, we ran into a few surprises on the tour that we did together. So I totally <laughs> feel your pain there, not knowing what to expect yeah. day to day. Exactly. Yeah, but in the same time, we uh, I include you in uh, that matter because I know you. We are very lucky to to work with uh, such a great people and amazing musicians. Very often, it's like, yeah, I'm really blessed in that matter. I'm super happy about it. So. Well, you're also an expert in everything, right? Because you give le you give lessons. Yeah, I know everything. No, wait, let me explain. This is not how you say it. <laughs> so we, uh, any lessons anything you need spanish here whatever you need i know it <laughs> how many languages do you speak just out of curiosity <laughs> I, I don't think i asked you well, that exactly as you like if we consider my uh english like a language that i know then it's two but basically i think i know only one and it's my <laughs> uh bulgarian so <laughs> no i know only english and bulgarian but yeah i think my english is not as good as uh, i wish it could be it's better than my bulgarian so you're you're doing good definitely yeah. very nice would be if you spoke bulgarian <laughs> i'm not even gonna try 
Um, so yeah, I sort of gave a little hint towards the the joke about you knowing everything, but I want to set the stage here for everybody. So when we were on tour, I'd, I'd say probably halfway through the tour, you came up to uh, Stitched Up Hearts drummer, Jamie Decker, and we were doing a line check or, or a sound check, I can't remember. And you walked up to him and you started giving him drum lessons because you're also a good drummer. Yeah, not really. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you walked up to him and you, you asked him as serious as can be, you told him, uh, hey, Decker, did you know that if you are using the kick drum, sometimes you can hit it with your heel up and other times you can hit it with your heel down? And Decker, of course, it took him a second, but then he realized that you were joking. And then it just became a thing throughout the whole tour where every day you would expand on those <laughs> lessons. And my favorite one was for the bass player when you, you walked up to Randy, the bass player from Stitched Up Heart, and you started to offer him a lesson, but what was your recommendation to him? Yeah, I thought that was hard one because like I had that really heavy day of people all over United States coming to me, asking me really difficult questions about their life and professions and stuff. And then there is this bass player coming to me and I, I fought a lot and I just said, give up. <laughs> just give up. <laughs> yeah, just give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would work for many bass players. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you got all of us with that one. I think everybody in the whole place just started laughing. Um, and then my other favorite one was when you and I were, I was at the soundboard and you came up to me and the house engineer was standing right next to us. And you started telling me how to use the gain knob and that I should just turn it up until it started to squeal and then just leave it. <laughs> and the look on the house engineer, he, he thought we were being serious and you walked away. And then this, the house engineer asked me if you were serious. And I said, yeah, this is like my second show. The, the first one didn't go so well. <laughs> And then I, I had yeah I remember that. I had to tell him that we were just joking, and then he thought it was hilarious. But uh, goodness, the look on his face was priceless. It was so good. Yeah, probably I I can imagine him like listening to my English with that accent, that which is very nice. <laughs> Explaining about the game, push it as hard as you can, starts the squeal. Very nice. Then you leave it, and then. The equalizer, you you told me what the equalizer did, and it, it did not make everything equal. How do you remember that? I'll never forget oh, it. It was so good. Yeah, I must have been in a mood yeah. or something. Yeah. You, yeah. Your sense of humor is amazing. I, I love it. Uh, it's probably one of the Thank reasons you. I really liked hanging out with you, and plus I got to learn a lot of your of your tips and tricks and secrets. Probably my probably my sense of humor comes out of the speakers, right? <laughs> no, there's nothing funny about your mix. It's really great. Um so talking about uh being on tour together, you were you were in the United States with Infected Rain and that was uh, a first tour for both you and Infected Rain I think in the United States. Yeah. How did you get started working with Infected Rain? When did you meet them and where did you meet them and, and how did you build that relationship? Yeah, well, I met Infected Rain 
I think 2016 or something like that. Well, actually, that's really funny story because like we had that really small um, venue in Bulgaria of let's say like up to 100 people or something. Um, and I, I never use, like, I never went there to do a sound or anything, but, but they went out of sound engineer and they really asked, asked me if I can go there. And they, they had so low payment for the, uh, for the sound engineer that I was like, okay, this is not going to happen, right? They, they were like, okay, but we really don't have anybody. If you're free, really, please just come and help us. So I I went uh, on that show and uh, and I met Infect Train and we kind of uh, got in touch with them. And one year later, they came back to Bulgaria on a different venue, which was way better. Uh, and I was uh, as a sound engineer there as well. So that's like pure luck because we didn't arrange that thing and we uh, uh, and we hang out uh, with them. They are super friendly people and easy to um, talk to and uh, communicate. And so we went for a lunch together uh, and we talked and I uh, and I told them, guys, Anytime you want me to work with you, I'm I'm ready to jump with you in the van and just uh, work my ass off. And they were like, they sounded really mm, like they didn't say, okay, we, we take you for sure or anything. But they were really excited because at the time they couldn't afford to take anybody with them. Uh, but it passed a couple of months almost half year or something. And they called me uh, and asked me if I can join them on tour. And uh, it's been a long, long uh, and wonderful trip since then. Uh, and we both, the band and me, learned and grew so much through the years about what we want to achieve. And it's such a, um, I don't know what's the word, like, I. Like I'm super lucky to be with such a great people because they trusted me from the first day I was with them on a show, uh, which was really funny, by the way. I can tell you the story about the first show because it's really interesting. They trusted me from the first day, started, starting uh, to change everything I asked them because, of course, I know everything. <laughs> so they trusted me and they... Uh, they started improving all we had at the time uh, and so on. But it was really funny because our first show together was in uh, Romania. I don't remember the city, uh, but we went to that huge room, really reverby and everything. At the time, we didn't have our own mixer, so we were mixing with uh, the house console. Uh, and... It's my first show with them. I don't have my own microphones, console or anything, and I'm on tour. Like, if I get good sound, that's pure luck. It's not me. Like, I'll be lucky if I can hear the vocals or something. But uh, actually, they sounded great that, that day. Uh, it was a small, like, festival or something, or at least we had, like, four bands or five, something. 
Uh, and in the end of the show, we we had this huge um, uh, argument, some guard. I probably he wanted attention or something, but he went to talk to Lena or something. And we had huge argument with him. And I and I was like, oh, like I thought things can uh, could ex- escalate up to a fight. And I was like, okay, is that what's going to be during <laughs> because if it's not like I'm not super like huge guy and muscular or anything so like yeah just funny day yeah that's uh so you've been with them for at least five years when I saw you with them and their sound is for people that don't know infected rain uh go check them out because they are super heavy the low tuning two guitarists uh Vidic and and Sergey and then uh, Vladimir on bass. It all just works really well together. Eugenia on drums and Lena as a vocalist. How do you how do you get Lena's vocals? I mean, she's a strong singer, which is great. But how do you get her vocals to be so prevalent in the mix when you've got so much going on with the band on top of it? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all. Lena is amazing uh, singer because she can go on for um, 60 shows in a row and her voice it never goes unexpected in any way. Like she's constantly doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm like super happy about that because I, I don't have to think too much what will come out of the microphone today. Uh, and yeah, and actually all of the musicians are, are just like that because they pretty much perform every day, just the same. Uh, and they are super excellent in repeating that, like, like probably most of the people, um, who are coming to the shows doesn't realize that, but for us as sound engineers, it's super important when you are on tour to have a consistency of um of your gear of uh, the performing of uh everything you do so basically if we do the same thing over and over every day that means we can improve it little by little every day and it can grow so in fact train are amazing in um in that matter and that really helps because their arrangements are really aggressive really full with all kinds of events that are happening, but also they're amazing uh, composers and their music is really well put together. So if you're listening for music where you mix Infect Train, it's really easy to find out what is important for you to hear at the moment. And uh, once you are part of their music, you don't want to miss those parts. And uh, so that's uh, that's the the great thing about them, and I'm like super super happy about that. Like in the beginning, we worked a lot, uh, but I I have the feeling that I had to work myself uh, for understanding, like because every day we are in a new room, we with totally different PA, sometimes barely PA. Um, and and then you need to make sure that you have the same emotion 
as um, you had yesterday when you were, let's say, with the acoustic on a few, and today you are on a small club with two speakers with brand which we never heard, uh, and not that that really matters, but in in a way it does. <laughs> I mean, if it sounds bad, it sounds bad. <laughs> and uh, and then I I realized in um, with the time that. There are special events in their songs, which everybody must hear. Uh, so once you get those moments, you get the band sounding good. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of those events that I always looked forward to every night was one of the last songs where the guitars sort of bounce off of one another. So yeah, it, like the whole, it breaks down and then it's just like a couple of chords where they sort of ping pong off of each other left, yeah. right. And watching you throw those hands left and right you know and it was really that was always a favorite part of mine during the during the shows yeah yeah i really enjoy doing stuff well uh actually i consider mixing uh live shows pretty much as like playing uh, instrument and doing a lot on on your show sometimes i i don't think i do too much i mean i like i rehearse my songs even before tour like i I throw them on the board, I rehearse them, I make sure I remember what I want to hear, and then I just do the same live, and it works. But um, yeah, yeah, there are many, many, many things which I, I would like, like every night to get them done like this ping pong stuff, because like if I had scenes for each song, I could uh, do that, but I, I never work with scenes for each uh for each song because i never feel that sure in my mix so i like if i work on a on a festivals every every show if it's a festival then i can work with scenes and i can trust my mix uh but when when i'm on a tour with clubs i basically build my mix every day i have just uh startup shows like before before tour what i'm trying to do is I built three shows and one is for a huge stage with minimum noise coming out of the stage. Uh, the second one is for a middle shows up to let's say 500 or a thousand people when you have like, let's say 30% of uh, the noise of the, uh, of, uh, the stage coming in the room. And, uh, and the last show is for very, very small uh, rooms when you have more than 60% coming out of the stage. So you kind of, because that that's one of the things very often I see friends of mine who are sound engineers doesn't realize that when you have so much noise coming out of the stage, you must add only the frequencies that you are missing, not make it crazy louder, right? I, I don't know if I'm right. Obviously, I'm always right because I know everything. But but still, like I that that's my approach. That's what I'm doing. I I make three scenes. I go with these three scenes in each uh, venue. And if I feel unsure in my yesterday's uh, mix, I just recall one of those three, and I I know what I'm gonna get. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, it definitely worked. And and your rig that you traveled with to the United States, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So um, I'll sort of lay it out a little bit and then you can fill in the details. So for front of house, you were mixing on a Waves LV1 system. 
but then you also had a Midas M32 core, and I believe that was so that you could talk back to the stage where the uh, band had their in-ears on a uh, X32 system. Did I get that sort of accurate? I'm going yeah, off of memory. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, you built this amazing uh, flight case for your <laughs> LV1 system. You had a a big 23 or 24 inch touchscreen monitor yeah. uh, mounted to it, but it all folded up flat and it was very low profile. And then it fit inside of a, a different rack. Can you talk a little bit about what you built and sort of how you put that system together? Yeah, about that um, case uh, you were talking, I changed it, but it was really cool and handmade, um, like looked really old and strange. That's what made it look interesting to everyone. Uh, I changed it now because I, uh, through your help, because you helped me add faders to the system because that tour I went only with touchscreen uh, in the United States, but then I added the faders to the OV1 and it was uh, way easier. Uh, basically what you um, explained, that's the whole rig I'm having. I take the signal from the stage, I send it uh, back to, the, to both mixers, uh, to the M32, which is mixing um, the in-ear systems of the band. And uh, the LV1 is uh, doing the front of house. I, I'm having the um, server one. And um, at the time when I bought the system, uh, I wasn't sure if that's like the best solution for a mixer. No one was. I, I'm not sure if people are <laughs> like in like super sure in that um, mixer because like it's great you can do anything you want you are unlimited in any matter that you can imagine uh, and with that comes many problems which you can uh, create for yourself by wanting too much or uh, or so one of the problems with that not with my uh, setup because I tested very well. I mean, I hope it still goes the same way and never fail, fail me on tour. But uh, usually before I uh, have a show or tour, I test my gear very well. It must have at least 10 shows. Uh, then I, I can trust it. Now, before, before this tour, I'm not having... Uh, 10 shows because of uh, the situation the world is in and in Bulgaria is still like on and off gigs every week is different and we don't know how it will go but uh, so what I'm doing is I, I set it up in a couple of uh, venues I'm working I ask them for permission to go there I set it up I listen to my uh, um, mix on the desk uh, of the band how it uh, feels uh, and then I if, if it goes smoothly all, all of the times I set it up, then it's good enough and I can trust it. And I try not to change as much on tour uh, about it. It was amazing. Your, your system, you, it just fired up every single day. It never had an issue. I'll knock on wood uh, for yeah. you here. <laughs> if my mixer was there, you could not knock on wood <laughs> because of the case. 
Uh, and I, I do want to try to describe that a little bit, but you you built that case yourself, and it was sort of this um, accordion-style case where it had multiple hinges, and you could unfold it, so to speak, and then tilt it so that the screen was at a nice angle for you, and then when you were all done, it just folded up onto itself and was really slim and really compact and had just perfect hinges, all of the joints, everything fit together perfectly. It's like you're a professional woodworker that also knows how to mix. Like it, it was really impressive. So I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm being hundred percent serious. Yeah, thank but you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Yeah. I like doing stuff with my hands. Like give me a piece of wood. I will probably make a flute <laughs> or something. I don't doubt yeah. it. Yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. And then I saw pictures of your new system you sent me. Um, yeah. And it looks great too. So I can't wait to see it when you get back over to the United I'm, States. I'm sure when you when you see it um, live, you would be like the same way feeling about it because the whole structure of it is really weird, but then it's super functional and it's really cool because one of the worst things about uh, uh, LV1 is that everyone who buys LV1 has to have a lot of imagination to make uh, its own shit and very often looks so terrible not easy to work with and I, I i had to think a lot about this one and make it as cheap as possible because i wasn't sure if i would approve it when i make it like because you can just go spend plenty of money and then realize okay that's not what i want uh, but uh, I, it appears I'm really happy with the new setup, so I'm I'm glad I achieved it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, either you come back to the States soon or I get back over to Europe soon and get to take a look at it. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, can you talk about, I think you carried microphones with you from your home. Uh, what did you, what were yeah. your drum microphones that you were using while on tour? And then... Can you also talk a little bit about the vocal mics? I think you were just on an SM58 for Lena, but did you have any other type of uh, interesting microphones that you were using on, on stage? Yeah, on that tour, we were with SM58 for Lena because of the wireless system, which uh, had problems. So we gave up on it and uh, gave up on it. And uh, we used... Uh, uh, a simple microphone which work every gig good so uh i brought my own microphones uh because um usually that's the microphones i try to use on with infected train now that that's one of the interesting things before um before i uh when i started mixing infected train life i used to have audix and infected train they uh, themselves, they have Audix uh, pack um, with them, but they were too equalized for me at the time. So I decided to go uh, back for uh, um, Surebeat um, 91, uh, 52, and uh, for the Toms, I'm using Sennheiser 60, uh, 604, right? Yep. Uh, and overheads are Sennheiser. Um, E six hundred and fourteen, or or nine hundred and forty. Yeah, yeah, the little the pencil condensers. Ones. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the name 
that's what I used uh, for that tour. No, actually, I was without the Beta 92, right? Right. No, you only had an inside, a Beta 91 inside. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was without the 52. Yeah. Well, well first of all, I have like this small case for uh, from Sennheiser, which I can fit all the microphones in. I tape it and it flew over. Uh, but also, it's really, I really like very often to work only with one microphone on the kick. I know many sound engineers find it weird, but like on the OV1, I have plenty of channels I can always do with them whatever I want. And I have plenty of inserts, so I don't find any limitations. And uh, that's one of the things I actually really, really uh, am huge fan of uh, working with less channel it's possible once i get the most out of them then i would add more and more uh and yeah and very often bands i'm working with once i get really good result with uh with very small um amount of uh microphones or channels they are so happy they don't want to change it they think that this is the like the right thing that everybody missed of course it is because like if you have less microphones then you have less face issues and a bunch of other problems but but then you can grow it up basically what i'm trying to do is like the reason i have less microphones and less channels is that Every show I try to recreate what I did yesterday because of the place I'm in. And if I have too many channels and too many microphones, I can never pay attention to them. So I, I do it with less as possible. Uh, it works really well. Can you talk a little bit about your approach to tuning a PA then? Because that's where I thought you did a really good job, even in the venues where the PA was just beyond awful. We had a few of those on that on that run, but uh, yeah. what are some of your tuning tricks that you like to use? I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I, thank you. You're really nice. I I find um, like every day, every single place where we go, it's different. And one of the tricks I'm looking for uh, when I go, like if I go in a room and it's with very poor PA. Okay, I'll go back, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll give answer to your uh, question and then I will explain why. I try to do as less as possible. Minimum EQ, literally three dBs of one or two places and nothing more. And that's why I go through all the channels and I make sure they sound good for that place. Now, if I'm on a good PA every day, I would never do that because it's really stupid. But if you are on a compromised um, PA every day and every day it's different way compromised, either the room or the PA or anything you have around you, then I try to figure out new solutions for the day, uh, which would work. So one of the things I'm doing, uh, for example, uh, for uh, the wall end of my band is like, because I really want the my whole mix to be moved and to be very dynamically, um, uh, uh, like I want my wall end to be really dynamic. So I needed to come and go 
as fast as it can, but these are low frequencies, so they are not really easy to disappear, right? So what I'm doing, let's say if I'm in a, a scenario with a poor PA, what I'm doing is I try to find the frequency where this room for my kick sounds good. And very often, that's like not very often, every day, that's a different frequency. That's why my preset is never the same, but my, my band sounds the same every day because I'm not fighting with the room. I try to use the the minuses or the advan, advance, advance, yeah, whatever. I try to use the room as a helper to what I'm doing. Uh, and yeah, that's why like many of, of my friends are like, why would you do all the channels every day? That's like crazy. Yes, but then I make them sound exactly the same through that speaker. Because if I if I tweak too much the, the main, I never get the result I want. Like I have this great venue at home. It's called Music Jam. It's great PA, amazing room. I can do anything I want in that room. And it sounds amazing, really beautiful. And I don't have to do anything with the uh, main EQ. But if I don't like something... I can just take it out of the EQ and it disappears from the room because the room is treated so well. But most of the places we go on tour are like disaster, right? So I'm not fighting with the room. I try to use it. That's one of the things. It's really smart because I think you're right. You know, if you adjust your main left-right EQ and that helps the kick drum, it might end up hurting the bass drum or it might end up hurting your low frequencies in the synth track or something like that. So the approach of adjusting each channel, I thought was really smart. Yeah. Ah, one thing I, like if I don't have any time, one of the things I do is I take the vocal mic, I talk through it and if it sounds normal, that's the way that PA should sound. Even if it's, like not completely beautiful or uh, or the best sound if it sounds normal then that speaker works correct <laughs> if it sounds broken i must make it sound normal and then i work through the channels if that makes sense it totally does and one of my favorite things that i i'll also never forget from the tour is whenever you would be in a, a room where the pa wasn't very good and you were using the vocal mic to check you would you would comment you would make commentary over the PA for everybody in the room to hear, including the owner of the venue, and you'd be like, "Check test test shit, damn it! Oh, this PA's dog shit!" And you would just be saying it over the speakers, and it shocked us the first couple of times. But then you know, every after hearing that more regular, uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was just became fun to hear you complain about the PAs. <laughs> okay, but was I right every time I said it? Yeah, every time. Oh, man, we had some... Well, then I've been honest. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy, they say, and, and you, were, you were very obvious all the time, or very uh, honest all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to, I want to give you a little chance to talk about what you've got coming up here in the future. So I know obviously there's a pandemic and all touring is sort of, um, you know, subject Maybe. to change. <laughs> yeah. It might happen. It might not, but 
What have you got coming up in 2022? How are things looking for you? Yeah, well, uh, looks really exciting and I'm really, really excited. I just got an offer from uh, friends of mine, Dustin Mind, for a tour with them in March in Europe. I really looking forward uh, to that tour. Then I have a tour with Infect Train in Europe. And right after that, we are coming to United States, having tour there. And I hope that continues afterwards with some more work. That's our, my plans. If if I'm not on tour, I've got a couple of things that popped up. Really the- exciting. You, you told me. So th- those are really exciting. Yeah. I can't make them public quite yet. Well, one of them I can, yeah, Gem- I Gemini Syndrome. I'll be doing a TM, tour manager in front of house for them. I leave uh, February 18th and get back cool. from that April 10th. Uh, but that's a club tour that's going to be similar to what Butcher Baby's tour was like. So I'll probably get to uh, go back and comment on some of those rooms and PAs like like you did. I'll, I'll do it in your honor. <laughs> uh, and your mind will be like, you took my words. You took my words. <laughs> I will. Yep. I'll say Simeon says this PA's dog shit. I'll just say that over the, the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would agree. Yeah. And then uh, I hope when I get back, um, if you're in the United States over the summer, that I get a chance to see you. But I think I've got a pretty big tour uh, coming up at the end of spring and then into the summer. So we'll see if we get to hang out while you're in the United States. I hope we are lucky and we get to meet each other. That would be great. Yeah. Even if for a day, I will try to find you if if I'm on tour and you're on tour. Hopefully our, our paths will cross. Yeah, you are way better organized than me, so I'll count on that. (laughs) So I'll do the planning, and then you can just show up. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. All right. right. Well, I think this is probably a good stopping point. We're at about 45 minutes, uh, and so I know it's late where you're at. We're recording this in the afternoon here in the United States, but it is well into the the nighttime for you. And if I know you, you've got to get your beauty sleep. And uh, (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't help it. Oh, I man. had to try to make yeah. a little bit of a joke there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So before we get going, Simeon, do you have any suggestions for me as a podcast host? I know you you know a lot about everything, but I'm sure after we've been talking here for a little bit that you probably have some suggestions or corrections. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um how how many did you did you make so far? I think this is number 45, I think, that I've recorded. 40s. Yeah, okay, for something. That's what I thought as well. Yeah, okay, delete them all. Delete them all. And um, redo everything, please. Now, after we, we finish, I will give you a list with things I want you to change. Okay. You change them and you redo them. All right. I Please. I appreciate that. I'm sure all the, the listeners will appreciate that too. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But no, seriously, it is always a pleasure talking to you. It's 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 so great to to be uh, a friend of yours and to have you as a friend of mine. And thank you. I really enjoyed being on tour with you, and and I hope that we get to do it again very soon. Yes, me too. Really looking forward to see you again. And yeah, awesome. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. I hope you take care and uh, stay safe. Thank you. Goodbye. 
And that's a wrap on this episode of Mix Masters. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please be sure to subscribe and then tell a friend or maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd certainly appreciate it. I produce Mix Masters on the Allen & Heath DLive system with Sure microphones and a little help from Apple's Logic Pro X and some Waves SoundGrid plugins. One more round of thanks to Merritt Goodwin for the music. And until next time, stay safe and healthy, and thanks again for listening.